Welcome to Parents Perspective. It's almost ready. It's almost ready. Ten-year-old Dorinda squealed. Get ready to sit down for dinner. Oh, grumbled her 13-year-old brother, Leon. What's a big deal? Why isn't mom cooking anyway? Just sit down and be polite, their mom advised. It's kind of nice to be a dinner guest for a change. She smiled as they finished setting the table. Dorinda happily put her steaming creation in the center of the table and grinned from ear to ear. You may now help yourselves, she announced proudly. Here's the serving spoon, but be careful, it's hot. Mm. Leon looked at his sister's concoction. What's that? Looks gross. His mom shot him a warning look. Your sister prepared this herself, especially for us. It's made with all natural ingredients, Dorinda smiled, like brown rice and fresh beans and even fresh tomatoes. It's from a real recipe. And, she looked across the table at her brother, it's good for you. From a parent's perspective, what should we know about teaching youngsters to cook? I'm Sandy Burt. And I'm Linda Perlis. Our guest has concentrated on working with kids for many years. Susan Riley brings her varied background in development, education, and community outreach programs to her role as D.C. City Program Manager for a valued organization known as Common Threads. She has been Director of Educational Programs at the Women's Foundation, where she managed scholarship programs serving low-income women and families, and raised funds to establish new scholarships to address the specific educational needs of single mothers seeking re-employment. The mission of Common Threads brings together Susan's passion for food, her fervent belief in the importance of a multicultural perspective, and the power of education and community engagement. She has two grown sons. Welcome to Parents Perspective, Susan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be here today. If there's a responsible adult at home, why do kids need to learn to cook? Well, this is such a great question and, of course, a question that comes up very often in our program and our discussions with parents of the children who participate. I think the first thing is connecting with kids in the kitchen is really a tremendous and central part of the program. It's bringing the kids into the kitchen is not only a way to sort of empower them but it's a great way to spend time with the kids, both from our perspective and from the perspective of the families at home. Can you tell us a little bit about your program, Common Threads? Absolutely. The mission of Common Threads is to educate children on the importance of nutrition and physical well-being through cooking while fostering an appreciation for cultural diversity. Every week, our children travel to a different country and prepare wholesome, nutritional meals. They don't really get on an airplane. (laughs) They absolutely wish they could be getting on an airplane, but uh, we try to make them feel as though they really have traveled there. Every lesson begins with some sort of cultural perspective on the country that we're visiting, some lessons about the food and the history of that country, and then we move into the kitchen. Now, is this a program in the schools, or it's outside of school, or where does this take place? Our programs take place in the schools primarily. We serve children 8 to 12-year-olds. It's after school. 
In a few instances, we have our classes off-sites. Here in Washington, D.C., one of our schools has their classes at a cooking school. But for the most part, we move into the school kitchens, whether they are fully equipped or not. We bring everything necessary to make it happen, basically. And this is a nationwide program across the U.S.? Yes. In fact, we have 28 programs now here in Washington, D.C., in Chicago, Miami, and L.A. Chicago is our home base where the program was founded. But we went nationally two years ago. And the funds come from the school systems or where? Common Threads is completely funded through private donations, foundations, corporate donations, and individual donors. Do you teach younger kids, you say 8 to 12-year-olds, different skills from older kids, or are they all together? The curriculum actually is the same for all the children, the 8-year-olds all the way up to 12. And while, you know, certainly for the older kids, they are able to master certain skills more easily— The truth is we find that quite often, you know, the eight-year-olds are just as engaged and by the end of the 10-week session have mastered the skills just as well as their older schoolmates. How are the children selected for the program? We let the school select the children. There are 16 children in each of our classes. We have one chef instructor and four volunteers. So it's a very personal, it's a very, you know, hands-on cooking class. And are these kids selected for their socioeconomic issues or selected for how sharp they are or what's the criteria? So 90% of the children, actually 98% of our children are low-income children who qualify for free and reduced lunch programs. And those are our target communities. The schools select the children based on different criteria. Often, for example, sometimes we have a class that's all 12-year-olds. In other schools, it's a mixed class, and they select the children based on their interest level. We want the kids to be engaged, to be interested. We want them to want to be there. So that's really important. And they all fill out an application to make sure that, obviously, they're interested in -hmm. in the program. What kinds of experiences do these kids have as part of the program? You alluded to the foreign country piece. What kinds of things do they do? Well, the core of the program is really in the kitchen teaching real-life skills to the kids. So while there is a cultural lesson, as I said at the beginning of the class, it's a two-hour period of time. We fit a lot Into that two-hour period, we have a cultural lesson. We have a small movement piece, often related to the country of that week. Then there is a sort of a nutrition component where the kids will be introduced to some simple new fact. Often it may be, um, this week we're going to look at a nutrition label. What does it look like? What do all those words mean? And a simple activity that will sort of help engage them and clarify that. Then we move into the kitchen. They learn a new skill in the kitchen every week, building on the previous week. At week two, every child begins to learn real knife skills, and they learn how to cut with a full-size chef knife. So, you know, we're really proud of the fact that we're really teaching these kids serious skills that they can carry with them for years to come. Do they have to shop for the ingredients or plan 
what they're going to be preparing, or is that done for them? The curriculum is preset, and our chef instructors do purchase all of the ingredients, but we definitely do talk to the kids about shopping, about shopping the perimeter of the store and, you know, being aware of, you know, simple ways to plan a meal. One of the really wonderful things that we hear back from our parents speaking to this point about other things that they learn shopping is the number of parents that come back to us and report that their kids are now asking to go grocery shopping with them. And that is, as you can imagine, really gratifying to us and to the parents. We'll take a short break now and be right back to continue our discussion with Susan Riley of Common Threads about cooking for life. The popular book, Raising a Successful Child, Discover and Nurture Your Child's Talents, by Sandra Burt and Linda Perlis, is available at all major bookstores and on the web. Welcome back to Parents' Perspective. We are talking with Susan Riley of Common Threads about cooking for life. So there's an economic piece as well that kids understand, sort of value buying and all that. Absolutely. And all of our recipes are designed so that they are simple, 10 ingredients, not more than 10 steps, and $10 will feed a family of four. Oh, wow. So we're really mindful of the environments that our kids live in, their limited access to food, the food deserts in the cities. We go into the neighborhoods so that we're aware of where is the closest grocery store? Are they buying their ingredients at the convenience store? We obviously want to bring a lot of new foods into their lives and introduce them to new things, but we want to be really mindful of the reality that they're living in and make this really relatable. What's the biggest surprise you've seen? Well, this really follows, I have to say, on the discussion regarding parents and grocery shopping is the amount of feedback that we get from the parents, what they are learning from the children as a result of being in the program. It's really tremendous. I had last year one mom of a girl here in Washington, in fact, who came back and said, you know, I have tried asparagus. I have tried baked sweet potatoes. I have tried steaming broccoli. She said, I never knew how to approach it because uh, I didn't know how to cook it. And when my daughter came and said to me, let's go grocery shopping, and she initiated those things. And that, I think, is just tremendous. You know, it's not only wonderful to know those changes are happening in the home, but to be aware of how empowering that is for the kids, to know that they can be a part of sort of bringing new things into their families. Have you noticed changes in family dynamics because of this? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, one young man who was in the program last fall here in Washington, an 11-year-old, came to class on the first day. He was extremely enthusiastic. We sort of go through an introductory little exercise with the kids on the first day, you know, what their favorite food is and why they've come to the cooking class. Well, this young man said, you know, I take Bobby Flay every day, and I'm going to be a chef when I grow up. I am determined. Bobby Flay being? Bobby Flay, the, the chef on television, of course. You know, throw down with Bobby Flay specifically is what he said. I am going to be like Bobby Flay. I want to be a chef. And so from the very beginning, he was engaged, cooperative, 
enthusiastic in all the ways that we love to see. What I didn't know was that he was, on the other hand, having tremendous difficulties in school, both academically and he had real behavioral issues. And we did not see that same boy in the kitchen with us. And on week three, when he was escorted to class, having come directly from sort of a detention situation, we said, well, are we really talking about, you know, the same boy? What it really highlights for us is the tremendous opportunity that having this different kind of experience really affords our kids a way to be successful in a way that they aren't always able to be in school and during the school day. And at the end of the 10-week session, we nominate a number of kids from each class to be a small thread. These are special students that have been particularly dedicated to the program and who we stay in touch with afterwards. We invite to special events or demos to cook alongside a local chef, um, that sort of thing. So he was, you know, one of the boys who was nominated. And his father came into the last class when we invite all the parents for sort of the graduation and was just beaming. And he said, you can't imagine how this has changed my son's life and how it's carried over not only to home, but in school. And his dad was so proud because for once, instead of coming to school again and again because of a problem, he was actually being invited to a class when there was going to be a moment to honor his son and that was just wonderful to see. Recognize achievement for exactly, this boy. Exactly. And he told me at that time that he was planning, the boy was just about ready to go into middle school, to send him off to military school because he really didn't feel that the school system was engaging him and he was really headed potentially to more problems as he moved on to middle school years. But that changed completely. So... Was there anything in your experience that, you know, sort of came out of left field that you didn't expect in this kind of environment? Absolutely. I think the personal stories that the families bring to us are really always very touching. As part of the 10-week program, we do a parent outreach class mid-session, and we do a workshop with the parents, a small demo. They cook with the kids, and we share the meal together. In one of our classes last year, we had a parent, Wanda, who came in a bit late into this class on her cell phone. She didn't really seem very interested in being there and was very defensive, saying she and her husband were chefs. They know how to cook everything. They really, you know, were not terribly impressed with the class. Well, she finally settled down, and during the meeting, I could see that she started to get a little more comfortable uncrossing her arms, listening, and sharing a small smile. At the end of that class, after we'd all finished eating, she approached me and shared this very personal story. She told me her husband had cooked, and he died. And her mother had been a big cook, and she died too. They had both worked professionally as chefs. She felt if her little girl started to cook, that she might die, too. She really wasn't interested in seeing her daughter become really engaged in the kitchen or thinking about pursuing a career as a chef. But she said the program had made her daughter so happy after this terrible loss. She was excited. She was engaged. She was trying to bring the mom back into the kitchen. And now instead of being sad together in the kitchen... 
they had really reconnected and made a bond over their shared love of cooking. She said, you know, they were felt stronger in the kitchen and around at the table because of being in the Common Threads program. Can a child continue this program more than one year, or it's a one-time opportunity? It's one session. We like to touch as many kids as we can with our limited funds and limited resources. So children cannot repeat the program. However, we do have an advanced curriculum. And so often, and we did one last year here in Washington, we will again this spring at one of our schools where we invite children who've been in the first session of the program to do a second 10-week session with us. And that's more advanced level of the same kind of work. Yes, it is. So the skills will be a little bit more advanced. The recipes may be a little more complicated. And, of course, it's a whole new set of countries. We'll take a short break now and be right back to finish our discussion with Susan Riley of Common Threads. Parents' Perspective Needs You. Your feedback, your opinions, and not least, your donations that help with the cost of producing this award-winning program. Visit us online at www.parentsperspective.org and click on to Give Direct, I Give, or eBay at Mission Fish. Please help us continue to help you. Thank you. Welcome back to Parents' Perspective. We're talking with Susan Riley of Common Threads about cooking for life. Do sometimes the schools pick up on this on their own and end up having cooking clubs or some other thing that enables these kids to be supported and go together to the next level? You know, I I don't really know across the country in different schools. I'm sure there are probably a lot of examples I'm not aware of. But I do know that here in Washington, in one of our schools, they did establish a cooking contest as part of what had already been sort of an international week that they had every year when parents would come and bring food to school for a big gathering. Many schools have that kind of a celebration. But what they started doing is letting the kids participate and then also established, you know, a contest. So... A number of our kids from last year were very excited to come and tell us what they were submitting for their taste of event. When they leave a class or a set of 10 sessions, how do they take these recipes home? In what format do they have copies? So the children have, every week, of course, they have copies of the recipes that they work with that week. And in advance of the class, we send home condensed versions of all the recipes to the parents so that they have them in hand, so that they're aware what their child's going to be cooking that week. So when they come home, if they love something, they can say, let's try and make this together. Each child also gets a passport, as we call it, at the beginning of the class that has all of our recipes included so that at the end of the session, they're able to take their passport of recipes, activities, nutritional you know, tips and tricks um, home with them. In addition to that, they all get a copy of Common Thread's Eat the World Cookbook. We were going to ask you to tell a little about that, <laughs> yes. if you would. Well, I think it's a wonderful cookbook. The kids, it shares a lot of stories of our kids, primarily in Chicago, where the program was established, and then includes many of the recipes that we use in our classes from week to week with step-by-step 
illustrated instructions and beautiful for the pictures kids. of the children. <laughs> yes. Is there long-term information available about the Common Threads program's outcomes as these kids mature? So at the beginning of each session, we do do a survey with the kids just sort of to get a baseline of their knowledge of nutrition, simple nutrition facts and cooking and eating habits at home. At the end of the session, we do the same survey. So we're able to see just over the course of that 10-week session what the kids have learned and how their eating and shopping habits, you know, may have changed. We see over half of our children will say that they now are involved in grocery shopping with their families, for example. Eighty percent of families say that they're cooking the recipes at home that the kids have learned in the Common Threads classes. Beyond that, in addition to the internal evaluation that's done every year, Internal meaning by the Common Thread staff or the school system? Yes, internal by the Common Thread staff, an internal evaluation that's done every year to just keep track of where we're going and the recipes that are being successful, the new things that we're introducing into the program, and so on. They are now doing a program evaluation with Chapin Hall at the University of Chicago to better understand the impact on the children and the families that we serve. Would this include weight gain or insurance against obesity that very often happens in low-income kids in that area of childhood? Well, you know, our program, we definitely are very mindful of the epidemic of childhood obesity and diabetes and how it disproportionately really affects these low-income and minority children and families. So that certainly is something that is included in the design of the program, of our nutritional messaging, of the recipes. Do you find when you look long-term at these children, do you find a difference? Do you have kids who start out being obese and then end up eating more healthfully and so ending up losing some of that weight? Well, in the short term, we have some evidence that their eating habits have changed. In terms of long-term impact and change in their health overall or, you know, as you say, um, weight loss, that's not something that we are really able to monitor. But we've been in existence since 2003. So as part of the evaluation process now, Common Threads is looking at ways to look back at students that have been in the program from the very beginning. We keep all the records of children who've been enrolled in the program, so we do have access to that information. And that is part of sort of what's under discussion now and evaluation now is how to best look back over time at the impact of the program. I think as a parent myself, one thing that is really important to me is that this is something that's relatable for parents because it's really easy to say, and we hear from our parents, it's really easy to say, you know, let's practice more healthy eating habits. We all have good intentions in terms of wanting to do that. And actually being able to make that happen is often a challenge. So I think if there was one thing that I would really sort of want to say is to think in simple steps, every little step makes a big difference. When we last visited my grandchildren in Philadelphia, my four-year-old grandson said, I have a snack for you. How would you like a snack? I baked it myself. I said, did someone help you? Yes, Daddy and I cooked together. They made corn muffins. 
So I asked how they did it, and I got a long explanation and a long description of all the ingredients. And you stir it all up, and you put it in a pan, and it comes out of the oven as muffins. (laughs) And it was just delightful because he's only four. So, of course, this was a very simple project, but the pride of accomplishing this and knowing that there were ingredients that were nutritious made him feel really good sharing it with us. That's wonderful. So it was our first sample of that with the little one. That's great. That's wonderful. If parents wanted to start a project like this in their own towns, how would they go about it? Well, I would say, obviously, anybody on our Common Thread staff would be happy to speak to them. So they could certainly refer to the website, send, shoot us an email, give us a call for ideas. There are many cooking classes, cooking clubs, different versions of what we are trying to do happening in schools, obviously, across the country. So I think it's, you know, just like anything else, getting together the interested people and their community. And Um, the funding. And the funding, (laughs) absolutely. Absolutely. For our listeners who want to follow up our discussion with more information, what resources would you recommend? So I would refer people to our website, www.commonthreads.org, a full list of all our staff and our locations in Chicago, Miami, L.A., and Washington, and to get a better sense of the program and to order the cookbook if they'd like to. Common Threads, Eat the World. (laughs) It sounds like a Dr. Seuss title. (laughs) Okay. Well, this is obviously a conversation that could go on for a very long time, but unfortunately, we have to close. So, Susan Riley, thank you so much for being with us and giving us a taste of a wonderful program for children. Well, thank you so much for having me. The best way to get in touch with Parents Perspective is to email us at parentsper at gmail.com. Our first listener will receive a copy of Eat the World, the Common Threads Cookbook for Families. Just email us at parentsper at gmail.com and give us your name and snail mail address and mention show number 496. Tell us, if you can, what station you're tuning into. Visit our website, www.parentsperspective.org, where you can even listen to a show of your choice or check us out at facebook.com, Parents Perspective. This is Sandy Bird and Linda Perlis. We're glad you could share Parents Perspective. Today's program was made possible with generous support from you, our listeners. Parents Perspective Incorporated is a 501c3 nonprofit corporation. The show is made possible by your financial support. So thank you for your contributions. Donations can be made online, through GiveDirect or iGive.com or MissionFish at eBay. Or you can send checks or money orders to Parents Perspective Incorporated, Post Office Box 42283, Washington, D.C., 20015. Our sound engineer is Kent Hitchcock. Music for this program was composed and performed by Jonathan Burt. Jonathan Burt.